It's time to end Obamacare now. For the past eight years, we have been suffering under President Obama's ridiculous policies, the worst of which... Obamacare. And you know why it's bad. It raised premiums, it decreased patient choice, and it made people even more dependent on government. But when President-elect Trump takes office on January 20th, we can finally repeal Obamacare. But there are liberals in D.C. who are conspiring to save it. And the only way we can stop them is if we get grassroots activists like you to stand up to them and pledge to help President-elect Trump repeal Obamacare on day one. So stand with President-elect Trump and go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. Get involved. Help repeal Obamacare. If you don't act now, we won't be able to make a difference. If you want lower premiums, better health care, we need to repeal Obamacare on day one. And that's why you need to go to W www.repealobamacarenow.com. It's time to take advantage of this historic opportunity and see how freedom works. All right, before we get started with this podcast, we need to talk about something. Friends, it, it feels like the whole world can literally change for the worse overnight. You're following the news stories. With what's likely coming for our country, there is one thing you should do, and that's prepare. When you're more self-reliant, you're closer to freedom from any national crisis or job loss or economic downturn. But where do you start, and who can you trust? Let me make this clear. Building an emergency food supply to feed yourself and your family is a wise first step. And our friends at My Patriot Supply will help you prepare. Get four weeks emergency food supply for only $99, shipped free. That's 140 adult servings of easy-to-prepare food ordered today, 888-457-3453, 888-457-3453, or go online at preparewithcr.com. That's preparewithcr.com. Build your emergency food supply for only $99. Limit two units per caller, 888-457-3453, or online at preparewithcr.com. That's 888-457-3453, or at preparewithcr.com. All right, now let's get to the podcast. Now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, good evening, happy Wednesday, actually it's Thursday. Days run together when you're either counting down to the end of Western civilization as we know it or believing you are at the dawn of its rebirth. But is America really as divided as we are being sold? I want to find that out tonight. We're going to open up the phone lines because we have a, a different audience here this evening. C-SPAN came all the way out to middle America from Washington, D.C. to our little humble abode here in uh, suburban Des Moines to help simulcast our nationally syndicated radio show powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network to its millions of viewers across the country. And what we want to do this evening to open up the show is we want to find out Not what you thought on election night, but now that we are on the brink here of taking the red pill, 
of finding out just how far down the rabbit hole goes. Many of you that are either listening to me tonight or watching us, uh, you weren't alive the last time someone who had never held elected office was about to take the oath of the highest office. And that was Dwight D. Eisenhower. And now it will be Donald J. Trump. Now, these two men, though, in terms of their temperaments and personas, could not be much different. So what we want to know is, based on how you have seen Trump's transition team perform since the election, are you more optimistic or are you less optimistic about the dawn of the Trump era? And we want to know what you think. The number here is 844-883-3223. That's 844-88-DACE, D-E-A-C-E. That's 844-883-3223. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Like us on Facebook as well. And if you like us on Facebook, we've got a, a, a post that is linked. It's right there at the very top of our Facebook wall where we're asking you. You can give your opinions there. Are you more optimistic or pessimistic now? Now that we are on the brink of the Trump era, an era that almost none of us predicted when he first announced his candidacy. I, I remember laughing out loud watching his announcement speech, maybe the greatest campaign announcement speech I've ever seen, simply because the whole premise for why Donald said he was running is, hey, I tried to buy off a bunch of these politicians and they wouldn't take my money or they took it and, and they wouldn't do what I told them to do. So I figured, you know, if I can't buy these politicians off, I got to become one, gentlemen. (laughs) I mean, it was breathtaking honesty. It was like watching the movie Bullworth come to life. So who thought that Donald Trump, who really believed that we would be here the night before January 20, 2017, about to usher in the era of Trump? Well, pretty much nobody that does what I do for a living. I am officially running for president of the United States. There are no words. How do you even have a straight face right now? There are no words to describe what just happened. (laughs) Ed Rendell, do you have any doubt that this is anything more than a carnival show? And you watched our speech today. We all laugh about it. And I'm sitting here laughing out loud, you know, yep. you know, for, for the entire you know, front part of the show here as we're talking about it. I mean, it was a rambling, a rambling mess of a speech. That said, it was very entertaining. I was howling, howling. He's got gumudgeons of money. He's got a lot of recognition. And he just became the 12th presidential candidate for the Republican Party. Uh, is it... Typical Donald Trump fashion, or is it hilarity run amok? This morning, some Republicans say they're worried Trump will turn the campaign into a circus. Party leaders worry Trump's presence will turn the primary into a joke. America's largest Latino civil rights organization called Trump an exceedingly silly man. Donald Trump is a fool. Hell froze over, and now we're stuck in the ice with Donald Trump. Chuck, you and I have seen this public dance from Trump before. I guess the question is, is this candidacy for real? Will it be significant? It's like, I can't, I can't tell if this is politics or if this is just PR from a celebrity. For the National Press Corps and other elites, Donald Trump's campaign is a pure vanity exercise and a target ripe for outright mockery or low-level derision. Cut. Done. On the one hand, he's a late-night joke. half an hour, the most beautifully ridiculous jibber-jabber. On the other, he's the proverbial skunk at the garden party. How does the Republican Party handle a political streaker who knows how to get attention? Sadly, the biggest buzz surrounds Donald Trump. How to take Donald Trump? Hmm. Well, 
consider the newspapers this morning, at least the tabloids. The Daily News considers Trump a clown. The New York Post considers uh, Trump a rich guy who could make it to the White House. I do not hate Donald Trump, but I do not take him seriously. I thought, you know, everything that was garish and ridiculous about him was fully on display. Unconventional? Will people who love him love it? Yeah, but will it get him anywhere close to becoming the nominee or the president of the United States? I think not. I think there is a vein for him to tap, and he's going to get some some serious votes. He can't win, but he can get a lot of votes. While no one expects Trump to get close to winning the nomination, that doesn't mean that they're happy he's in. I mean, this is this is the problem with Donald Trump for Republicans. Of course, he's not going to win. He probably will make the, the main stage. He'll be one of the top 10 vote getters just because of name recognition and, the, and our obsession with stardom. The problem is he's going to be a flamethrower. He has nothing to lose. But he says the most provocative things like when Mexico sends its people, they're bringing drugs they're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Yeah. What is your strategy and how can you how can you succeed when you say things like that? Well, you can't again. Bill, really the question elected, is, how uh-huh. can you become president? You can't by saying things like that. Apparently Can we stipulate for the purposes of this conversation that Donald Trump will never be president of the United States? So stipulated, yes. Uh, that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing to hear that. Especially because we are on the brink tomorrow of watching Donald Trump take the oath of office. And I have to tell you, on a personal note, as somebody that was one of the very first people he tried to lobby to support him because of where I live here in Iowa and us being first in the nation. And I remember sitting at Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Manhattan with Sam Nunberg, who was one of Trump's first political advisors. And this was about three years ago, I think. And and he said to me, so what if Trump decided to run for president? And I thought, you know, Sam's buying me a nice steak. So, yeah, let, let's play this one out. See how it goes, you know. And we talked about it. I didn't, I didn't think it would happen. I gave him some names of people to consider hiring, which they actually eventually did uh, when, he, when he decided to run later on. But I, I, I remember the very first event we had during the caucuses. Todd, you were there. And it was Steve King's Iowa Freedom Summit. Do you remember this? Vividly. And, and the entire Trump act was, it was an act. And it was a riff on Jeb Bush. Jeb can't win. Uh, and it was clear that, that Trump really just viewed his candidacy as a means to stop Jeb Bush from, in his mind, blowing the election to clear the way for somebody else. And we thanked him for it in many ways. And, at we, the time. and we did at the time. And the crowd was cracking up. I mean, it was rip roaring funny. You know, but I think what happened is a few months later, around June, when he began to touch on the immigration issue. And he saw that there was a zeitgeist there, that there was a, there was a real issue there that could catapult him to a, from vanity to a serious candidate. That's where I think the transition began to take place, at least in his mind. But for many of us, and, and I say this as somebody who knows him, uh, I, and was one of the first people telling a lot of folks that I know in the National Press Corps, he is serious about doing this. This is not a joke. Now, he may be a joke as a candidate. It may not work. But I, I was telling media people two years ago, I could see the way he was interacting with certain key Iowans, and it was clear that he was serious about doing this. Now, whether you are excited about this, whether you share his viewpoints or not, there is, I think, something refreshing about a guy who did everything they said not to do, and it worked. And that even if he turns out not to be the president that his most ardent supporters are hoping that he will be, Or if he turns out to be the president that his critics think that he will be, 
At the very least, gentlemen, I hope that a paradigm has been set here that you don't have to be bland. That, that you can actually challenge conventional wisdom, that, that you can challenge the paradigm, that you can be who you are, baggage and all, and be real with the American people. Although a lot of the times that I thought he was real with us, like promising an end to globalism when there's a half dozen Goldman Sachs appointees in his cabinet, I think a lot of that was a shtick. But, but a lot of people took that stuff seriously. So I don't know what you guys think, but I, at the very least, I hope that, that others come forward in the future and if not emulate some of his act, emulate his paradigm shift. Well, that's why this mix that we just played is a zeitgeist in and of itself. It, it didn't exist uh, as we just heard it 18 months ago, but it has really been the underlying gif mm-hmm. of much of this entire campaign. People heard that not only over and over again during this campaign, but they've been hearing it for years, for decades, the, the contempt. They want to be done with it, and they saw a champion who would hit back and hit back hard. People like those who paint with bold colors. People somebody like said that. that once. Somebody said Where that. Where have I, I heard we, that before? I we just heard that a, a few yeah. minutes ago. People like that. That's what attracted people to Donald Trump in the first place, that he always spoke his mind right or wrong. He painted with bold colors. When we come back, we want to let you speak your mind. 844-883-3223, 844-883-3223. Your view on the dawn of the age of Trump, next. You're listening to Steve Dace. This show is dedicated to bacon every day. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. 844-883-3223 is the number. I want to welcome uh, the C-SPAN cameras into our studios here in suburban Des Moines. They're simulcasting our show. So, yes, if you are a regular listener, you can go to the C-SPAN main channel on your cable or DirecTV. Or I think you guys have it online as well, I believe. So you can watch it online on the website as well. You can watch us do the show because life's not boring enough. 844-883-3223. Here's what we want to know tonight. Are you more optimistic or pessimistic as we stand on the brink of the dawn of the Trump era in the morning than you were after the election based on the way things have transpired with his transition, the team he's presented, the way he's carried himself? Are you more optimistic or less optimistic than you were the morning after the election when you woke up and thought, what? Donald Trump's going to be president of these United States. How did that happen? Let's go to the phones. We will begin with Joe in Tampa. So, Joe, are you more positive, positive or negative than you were on November the 8th, the day after? Positive, positive, positive. Completely positive. There's nothing you're concerned about at all. Nothing. No, there are things I'm concerned about, but they're not negative things. All right, tell us what makes you positive, Joe. Give us give us one thing that you are the, that makes you the most optimistic. Optimistic about Trump being in office is that we're going to get our shit straightened out because the last eight years we've had Democratic everything in our office. All right, I think he meant to say we're going to get our stuff straightened out. All right, correct. Is that the English that is translation correct. That of that? Is the, the proper so English enunciation. You know what happens? Could we have a more let, perfect first call? You let C-SPAN in and look at, they bring in the riffraff. I, I warned you guys this was going to happen, <laughs> for goodness sakes. 
Everybody says there's this highbrow channel for intellectuals, and look what happens the very first time. It Good is night Trump's now. America, after all. <laughs> 844-883-3223. Uh, let's try this again, even though I'm doubting myself. Uh, let's go to Rich in New York. Rich, are you more optimistic or pessimistic after that tension breaker? Rich, what say you? It's, I missed the tension breaker because I'm on hold. Hey, Steve, it's a, it's a privilege to talk to you. I'm a regular listener uh, to your show. Uh, Todd's right. He does have a uh, face for, for TV. Um, and uh, let, let me make a, a movie reference because I know you guys love movie references. I really admire your intellect and rapist wit. Yikes! What movie that's, is that from? That's Dumb and Dumber. Oh yes, I should have known. Rapist wit. At, at any rate, uh, am I optimistic or pessimist? All right, here we go. Uh, based on his cabinet picks and just by virtue of the fact that he kept Hillary Clinton out of the White House, I guess I could say I'm optimistic. Based on how Trump has shown he's incapable of acting like an adult, and that we still have no idea if or how he will keep all his campaign promises, I'm totally uh, pessimistic. I know this this sounds as ambiguous as Trump himself, but I, I think I'd like to think of my answer as more comprehensive than ambiguous. All right, so while I've got you here, Rich, let me let me present this to you. So this was a story that about 20 minutes before we went on the air tonight, The Blaze published this story. And when we read this, we laughed out loud for a good five minutes here in the studio. Here's the headline. Trump wanted missile launchers and tanks at his inauguration. The military said no. I mean, what is this, Leonid Brezhnev, a May Day parade, Soviet exactly. Union 78? We're going to go down. We're going to. Can you imagine what our side would do with drudge sirens and Breitbart second coming headline types? If, if Hillary Clinton had won and she said, you know, I think I want to have missile launchers and tanks go down Pennsylvania Avenue for my inauguration. Can you imagine the meltdown on our side, Rich, if, if, if the situation was reversed with a request like that? Well, I, you know, when you say that, I have images of the Soviet Union or, or communist China, you know, how, you know, they got to uh, stick their chests out with their, you know, all right. their... Uh, the old May Day parades, exactly. I'm going yeah. with Slim Pickens no, I, and Dr. Strangelove. Uh, is, that, is that true? Did I, he really want that? I don't... You'll see, here's the thing, and thanks for the call, Rich. Todd, this is the thing you and I were talking about this when we brought this story up for the show. Trump has this built-in fail-safe because he is such a known troll, and he gets off on it. That when stuff like the story after the the day after the election, I want my kids to have national security clearance. It's all over the news, and they come back a little while later. Psych! Oh, we were we didn't we didn't really ask that. That because he is so mercurial, because he is so capricious, because he I see I use big words with C-SPAN here, because he is so unpredictable and and he is so trolltastic that he can he can make requests like this, and when people are like. Are you pooping me? There's no way we're doing that. He's like, I'm just kidding. And you don't know the difference, right? You don't know when he re- when his reach is exceeding his grasp or it's tongue-in-cheek. He's done many things to assault the press, and they've deserved it. One of them, now he's taken away the concept of a gaffe. He can't gaffe. Right. We used to say on this show that a gaffe is when a politician opens his mouth and the actual truth comes out. Those are gone now. We don't know what a gaffe is anymore, do we? Do we know? And we don't know if he knows what the truth is, so... The truth is whatever we need it to be at the time. Let's go to Elma in North Carolina. Elma, are you more positive or more negative since the since Trump's election, based on what you've seen from his team leading up to tomorrow's inauguration? Oh, I'm positive. 
Tell us why. I'm just so positive, even more so now, even before, because I live in the South, and over here in the South, I hear a lot the job that I do with the elderly and the terminally ill and how unsatisfied they were with the way things were going on in our country along with myself. Mm-hmm. And I have this one elderly client who had, had um, shattered her pelvis, was in a rehab, and asked to get out of the bed and take her to go vote because they were so sure that they needed change. I, for one, have never voted and voted for Trump because everything that he talked about I just believe in wholeheartedly. You hear it behind the scenes, but you never hear it in the media. And he spoke out and was the voice for all of us. Has there been anything that you've, as you've been watching the transition, has there been anything that has given you any cause for pause? Anything you thought, maybe he's not going to keep that promise after all, Elma? No, nothing whatsoever. I am a little disappointed that, you know, he said, you know, they were going to move forward with Hillary Clinton. And, of course, we all know how the media works with, with CNN and all these other networks and all that. But And then they shift the tactic and they do this and that. But I believe that, in hindsight, we just got to put that aside and keep moving forth with Obamacare. He's already front-runner on that. One of the things he never even mentioned, I don't think, in his um, political run was, uh, his debates were talking about pharmaceuticals. He's already talked about putting taps on those, which is a plus because I see so many elderly people who cannot afford, even through Medicare, afford their medicines. And so he's just doing far more. He's not even been sworn in, and he's already done so much more moving forward. And I, do, I was just re- listening to um, this live and what they were talking about, the BuzzFeed, and how they were mentioning about he wanted tanks and this and that. And I have to say, you know what, I think it's a – debunk that because it, it, Pence came on today and said that they have already saved taxpayers what 20 percent on the inauguration and, and putting it back into the budget okay so if that was true he wouldn't have said that all right thank you Elma. we appreciate it just to, and just to clarify it was it was the blaze not buzzfeed I, I wouldn't even acknowledge buzzfeed as a source on our show unless it was to ridicule them like we did a few days ago all right so that was actually the blaze that had that story All right, when we come back, more of your calls. Are you optimistic or pessimistic? More so than you were after the election, based on how you've seen Team Trump perform in the days leading up to tomorrow's inauguration. 844-883-3223 is the number here on The Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review. You're listening to Steve Dace. is a force of nature. One of the most powerful storms ever to hit land. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Taking your calls here for another few minutes, and then we're going to go live to D.C. with Robbie. You know, he's going to set the scene for us there on the eve of Trump's inauguration. But uh, we are asking you right now, based on how you have seen Trump and his team, his transition team, perform and behave since the election, are you more optimistic optimistic or pessimistic about the dawn of the era of Trump than you were the morning after the election results were certified? 844-883-3223 is the number. That's 844-883-3223. Let's go to Irene in Oregon. Irene, welcome to the show. Are you more pessimistic or optimistic than you were right after the election, Irene? Very optimistic. Very. Tell us why the very. 
because I'm so thrilled that we didn't get in the same regime that we had before that's uh, practically run our nation. Nobody even noticed how he's running us, uh, killing out everything except one. He was trying to get one religion in here. He's trying to monopolize this country, and he was expecting her to do the same thing. And she got so much uh, polling that was false that everybody's so upset now. But we were. I was very upset when Obama was um, elected. But I didn't go out on the streets and burn the damn buildings and all that stuff. But and I'm just. I'm optimistic because I feel like we've got something going now that we can accomplish. If he only does ten percent of what he says he'll do, then that's ten percent, or probably more like a hundred percent more than what we'd get from Hillary hitting Hillary. All right. Thank you, Irene, for the phone call. We appreciate it. You can't argue with the math there at the end. I mean, if you didn't like the current direction of the country, and I say this, and I'm, I was never Trump during the election. I didn't vote for him. But there is no question, and, and I don't think anybody on our show voted for him. Did you? I know you didn't. No. Nope. Aaron, did you? No. I, I voted for the Constitution Party candidate. But if you, if you have watched his cabinet picks, there's no question, even though there are several uh, I have issues with as a whole, there's no question if you disagreed with the direction the country was going, that is a better personnel listing than you would have gotten out of Hillary Clinton. Do any of us disagree with that? No. No. So, I mean, the call, what Irene said there at the end, if you, now, if you did, if you liked the direction the country was heading, then you don't share our, our view. But if you had the view that Irene had going into the election, you didn't like the direction things were heading, then yeah, I mean, 10% of what Trump says he would do would be 100% different than what Hillary would provide, don't you think? Indeed. Now the question becomes, it diff- does different mean better? And we're going to find that out. 844-883-3223. Doug is next, calling from Washington State. Doug, are you more optimistic or more pessimistic about the dawn of the Trump era than you were prior or after the election? Optimistic. Why so? Uh, I'll tell you what, I graduated uh, in 1980 when Ronald Reagan was elected. And I was so proud of him, and that was the same feeling I have today. I'm so proud of Donald Trump, and I'm optimistic that we're going to take care of the border and the immigration problem. I really do think that maybe this is the year, and the cabinet and the president, that is going to take care of it. Uh, And I say that because I have some good friends that are legal in this country. They've been here 15, 20 years. And they're good workers and good people, and I just would like to get it resolved. Doug, can I ask you a quick follow-up question? Do you mind just for a minute here? What no, is, because a lot of people on, on both sides of the aisle would look at the personas of Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump and say, boy, they couldn't be much more different. So when you say that you, when you remember Reagan's inauguration and how proud you felt as an American and you feel that pride now, even though the personas of those two men are so different, what is it about both of them that you're proud of? What is it that you see that, I, that you think maybe some other people that are watching us tonight on C-SPAN and have a different view, they don't see what you see? What is that? What I see, they are different. They are. What I see in both of them is strength, but I think they're, they love America. I think Donald Trump loves America. Ronald Reagan loved America. You don't, think, you don't, think, you don't think Barack Obama loved America? Or at least what you think America is? Is that the issue? I, I don't think the guy was a bad guy either. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I actually I think he is a good person, but I don't think he cared 
as much about America as he might put on. Okay. Thank you, Doug. We appreciate that. I think that's the question right there, isn't it? I agree I think with that's that, the issue. That entire premise. Which America are we talking about? Yes, now? because we, yes. Saw, we saw patriotic symbolism flourish at the Democratic Convention. I mean, constitutions being passed out, de Tocqueville being quoted. I've never seen that in my life. So the question then becomes, what is America supposed to be and become? That's where the argument is. I don't think it's about love of America. I think it's about definition of America. We'll go live to Washington, D.C. here in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Got his finger on the button of truth. Put the finger down. It's Steve Dace. So coming in February, we are joining the outstanding team at CRTV, including Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Mark Stein, Stephen Crowder. We're the latest show that's been that's been added to the star-studded lineup there at CRTV, and then they decided to dial down the stardom by putting us on. Nonetheless, if you want to subscribe now, we're anxious to start this new show. You'll get a chance to watch our multimedia presentation each and every afternoon on CRTV.com. If you enter the promo code DACE, that is my name, you'll be able to get a substantially reduced subscription price. If you take advantage of that now, we are greatly looking forward uh, to not working nights anymore. As much as we love doing this show, I know all of us are looking forward to having our nights back with our families and also uh, having a chance to be a part of the outstanding team at CRTV. Now, speaking of CRTV, that's a part of Conservative Review. Rob Eno from Conservative Review joins us now. He is live in Washington, D.C. to help us set the scene the night before the big day. Rob, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me on, Steve. So are, are we seeing mass rioting in the streets? The deplorable? Is it drawing gawkers and onlookers and protesters? Have the bikers showed up yet? Are cats and dogs living together? Is it raining sideways? And Rob, do you smell the sulfur? Um, I don't smell the sulfur from where I am. I'm, I'm actually very close to the White House. I'm in, I'm in the Chinatown area. Um, so if there were fireworks, you know, I, I, I would I would smell them. There, there doesn't seem to be that. Watching on the news, I mean, there there's the normal yahoos trying to do stuff you know you got your your occupiers your occupods you got you know i i, I just saw on tv you know people saying well we don't like donald trump and then they've got you know red communist stars on so the normal actors are that's out good there. branding but that's some solid branding there well done continue i'm sorry yeah very good and then but when you walk around i mean all of the no matter what color they are what creed they are all of the hawkers are selling donald trump merchandise i mean you can get you know make america great again hats on just about every corner in the city um multiple ones so you know there is a festive attitude as well it's um i i think the festive attitude is going to outweigh the negative attitude you know our our guy nate madden went over to the um he writes a conservative review he's our our cult not our culture correspondent but our 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 christianity correspondent and does some some National defense stuff and, and terrorism related stuff, but he went over because Christianity the, and terrorism are often linked together, well, especially in the minds of those protesting the Trump inaugural as we speak. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but go but ahead. He I'm sorry. The, he went over to the um, the LGBT dance party mm-hmm. at Mike Pence's house last night, and he was like, 
they were awkward and, you know, the, the three guys that didn't have shirts on are the ones that made it on TV. Of course. But, you know, it was it was pretty, he's like, it was pretty tame. I don't think anybody's going to be really able to with the security situation that, that, that they have. I mean, they're, they're blocking off even where our offices are. Um, we kind of have to have passes to get into our building, even though it's a soft zone. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it's they, they've got the whole city locked down. Dan Bongino, if you go to the Conservative Review YouTube page and Facebook page, you can see um, a pretty good video where Dan talks about what he did in 2008. He had a... He Dan had Bongino a, for Conservative Review used to work for the Secret Service. Let's note that. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Rob. Correct. And he had a three or four block area that he was in charge of with the Secret Service um, on the parade route. And he went back to that area and told what he was looking at. And if you want to see a really good behind the scenes, what the Secret Service is looking for and how they do the security, it's really cool to go look. And he's actually, you know, tomorrow with Michelle Malkin, um, and you'll be joining us via Skype, he's going to be doing the the coverage that we have at CRTV's Facebook page and at CRTV.com. With a, we have a ton of special content that you need to be a subscriber to see, but there's also some free content that we're doing, which is the live stream and, and some of those things. So it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great day. I'm excited to be here. I mean I'm not I guess I'm excited to watch on television what I would normally watch on television at home. But you know, I I'm still gonna be in the city. It's it's definitely an interesting an interesting aura, an interesting time to be here. And you know, but but us at, we at Conservative Review CRTV, we're going to hold President Trump as of tomorrow's feet to the fire, and that's one of the segments that I'm doing tomorrow. Is you know the promises that he's made? Is he going to build the wall that he said he's going to build? Is he going to get rid of Obamacare like he said he's going to get rid of Obamacare? Is he going to um, cut the regulations that he said he's going to cut? Two regulations for every new regulation that he puts in. You know, there's a lot of people, Steve, that, that you're talking to that get the sense that, that Mike Pence is kind of almost really running the show, that, that Mike Pence is the person that's going to be the chief operating officer, that he's the one formulating policy with, with the guidance of Donald Trump. And if that continues, that could be a good thing. So we'll see what happens. Final thing, Rob, what's your sense about any more boycotts, any kind of walkouts by uh, politicians or representatives of the left at the uh, inauguration tomorrow to try and take some of the attention off of Trump? Or do you think we've kind of we've kind of passed that by now? I think we've passed that. And I think that, you know, based on the people that are going to be there and what happened with George W. Bush, where he got booed, I think that those people don't if they're going to be there. They don't want to be the person that's on television getting booed because you got to remember most of the most of the people that are going to be in camera range in the ticketed areas for the for the inauguration are Trump supporters. It was that way in 2008 or 2009 and 2013, and it was that way in 2005 and 2001 when it was George Bush's people that came. You know, mm-hmm. your supporters get the good tickets. And I don't think that the people on the left are going to want to stand up, get out, walk out, and then get booed mercilessly. Rob, I mean, have you, you s- remember what happened at the convention. Rob, have you seen <laughs> so, any of those uh, world-famous Russian prostitutes there? Vladimir Putin says uh, they are the best prostitutes. You've never seen prostitutes like this before. Have you, have you seen any of those there? Because he was commenting on those the other day. 
I, I have not seen any of those there, but I'm you know I'm at the Homewood Suite, so I'm not at one of the high priced hotels. Okay. So they may be at those hotels and, and, and not not at mine. Well, Das Vindanya, comrade, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow on CRTV. Excellent. Thank you, Thanks Rob. for having me on. You're welcome. And Rob's right. You can watch uh, a lot of the uh, inaugural coverage for free. Uh, some of it you need to be a subscriber to see, but you can see a lot of it for free at CRTV.com. More here on the Steve Day Show in a moment. yours resurrection he's bringing back the american way it's steve dace back here on the steve dace show powered by conservative review on the salem radio network steve at stevedace.com is the email address that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show speaking of twitter gentlemen i want to get your reaction to this i am looking at a uh, an all-time great tweet this is from Jim Messina, who was uh, one of Obama's uh, 2012 campaign managers in his re-election campaign. Here is what he tweeted on May 4th, 2016. Are you ready for this? Probably not. Proof there is a God. I prayed every night for a year for Trump to win the Republican primary. She exists and she made him win. Thanks, God. Hashtag Trump. Not only is there proof uh, that there is God, there is proof that God has a great sense of humor, being that uh, tweet says what it does. Todd, when, when you go home tonight and your daughter, your four, da- four daughters ask, ask you, Daddy, what does schadenfreude mean? <laughs> you just simply show them that tweet, okay? That, that will say it all. Well, uh, Jim wrote that? Yes, Jim Messina. Jim, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But I don't think you'll learn that lesson, and we're probably going to find out in a couple days that you and uh, your friends and your frat are going to just dial things up to 11 and buckle up for the next four years. All right. Now that we've had our nightly Spinal Tap reference, this is a good segue for me to to do something I wanted to do tonight with the C-SPAN cameras in here, knowing we would get an audience who wouldn't typically listen. I, I know you probably won't heed my advice, but I'm just telling you. As someone who uh, supported a candidate uh, during the primary and did everything I could on and off the air to defeat Donald Trump, I think I've, I've got a lot of knowledge on, on how to lose to him. <laughs> All right. I think I know how to lose to Donald Trump. I think I got that one figured out. OK, I'm just telling you right now, these antics, these protests. You're killing me, Smalls. You're the best friend that he has. If you want to know when Trump struggles, it's when he's on his own. It's when his ideas or ability to communicate them, it's him in a vacuum. But if you give him a straw man, and let's face it, you guys, some of you on the left, I mean, you got like straw man next to that tattoo of your mom on your back the way you guys behave if you give trump a straw man he will annihilate you 
and you will create a backlash of Americans who are extremely troubled by the aspect of handing him the nuclear football. But we'll look at you and say, you guys just hate this country and you have to be defeated. As much as I am afraid of what Trump will do, as many reservations as I have about him as president, you guys, you guys are terrible. You're helping him. You in the media, you are helping him. But you're probably even, you're probably incapable of realizing that. You're listening to Steve Dace. About to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 2 of the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Want to welcome back for another hour, C-SPAN. Because apparently we didn't punish their viewers enough in hour number one. These gluttons for punishment are back for yet another one. So if you're watching us on C-SPAN, hello. Um, that is not a test pattern. They really do radio out here in Iowa. That's right. We do something in Iowa other than pick corn and elect presidents. We do some media as well. This is our nationally syndicated show from the heartland. C-SPAN came all the way out here from the nation's capital the night before Trump's inauguration because they wanted to get the mood of the country outside of the bubble. And we've been taking your calls tonight at 844-883-3223. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. However, we're actually going to go back to the Beltway right now because a friend of mine is with us, Rick Tyler, former top aide to former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, MSNBC contributor, former communications director for the Ted Cruz presidential campaign, joins us as well. And Rick, it's good to have you on the show, brother. How are you? Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm doing doing well. It's good to have you with us here. So you're you're not necessarily a Trump cheerleader yourself, but I know you're happy that Hillary Clinton's not taking the oath tomorrow. So what is your mood on the eve of the dawn of the age of Trump, Rick? Uh, anticipatory. I um I've been so far mostly impressed with the transition. I I like the people that he's picked to head the cabinet, and I think uh, the country's in for real change, and that's what he promised. And right now, it appears that he will deliver. The change. I agree, we're getting a change. I'm wondering if we're getting the change that he promised his supporters because. I'm working on a piece for Conservative Review looking at his cabinet picks. And I, I think there's a couple. I, I, You know, I mean, George W. Bush put a culture warrior in there and John Ashcroft. So temperamentally, Jeff Sessions may not be that kind of guy. But So maybe a him, maybe a Mattis. But when I look at a lot of these cabinet picks, including several that I like, Rick, I wonder if we, if we voted to drain the swamp or did we vote for high-energy Jeb, Rick? Did we vote for high-energy Jeb? Well, I don't know yet. You know, Steve, it's really hard to it's it's hard to figure out. I mean, he has picked a lot of people, most of which don't have um, government experience. But I think the country concluded that that's what they wanted. They they were tired of the people who had all the qualifications, 
to run government because it hadn't done them any good. And so now he's put in a whole group of people. Jeff Sessions is actually an exclusion to that, mm-hmm. as, a few, as a few others. But, you know, these are people who largely have private sector experience. They're not PhDs. They're not academics. They're not uh, going to govern on, on theory. Obamacare was a theory. It didn't work. Uh, but they're going to—they have pragmatic experience. So I, you know, it'll either work or it won't. And, I, and the thing about the, this whole Trump presidency is, it—it it could be spectacularly transforming uh, and positive, or it could be a disaster. I don't know which it's going to be. As someone who was once in charge with coming up with the messaging to counter Ted Cruz as a globalist cuck about a year and a half ago, watching a half dozen Goldman Sachs former employees and managers go to work in the Trump administration, how do you react? How does that make you feel there, Rick? How do you react to that one? Well, they're not exactly the people I, you know, hang out with, right? <laughs> or, or you, I suspect. No. Um, but you know, look, they they all have impressive records. They're all very successful. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like it's kind of interesting. You know, who who, who else would he have picked? These are the people he knows. What worries you? What about this transition that you've seen thus far worries you going forward after tomorrow's pomp and circumstance? I worry that that the Republicans, you know, and I'll I'll include Trump because I never really believed he was a Republican. He doesn't really have a governing philosophy. He's at heart the populist, right? He's Mm going to go where the country wants to go. And I worry that the Republicans don't have a communication plan uh, to explain things that they're going to change. And, you know, free markets, capitalism, uh, issues of faith are always much, they take too long to explain. And Democrats always can tear them apart rather easily. So uh, they have staked a lot on the, re- the repeal of Obamacare. They're going to do it through reconciliation. To be fair, that's how it got passed. Mm-hmm. And they will pass something to replace it, at least temporarily, through reconciliation. Um, but, you know, health care is a very difficult problem to solve. And, and, I, and I worry that people will... Um, that the Republicans won't have an effective communication strategy. The, 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 what's interesting, Steve, is the country doesn't actually the, the to get things done in in Washington effectively. You really do have to have the country behind you. That's how we got welfare reform. We got welfare reform not because 101 Democrats in the House wanted to sign it. They didn't, and and President Clinton didn't want to sign it. Uh, in fact, he vetoed it twice before he signed it. The reason we got it is because the country insisted on it. Mm-hmm. And unless the country is on board with Trump's agenda, um, this, this city will turn against him very quickly. What does a successful Trump administration ultimately look like? Well, they'll get things. They'll, they'll look. The biggest problem with with Washington and something people don't really talk about is is these big buildings that are that are full of bureaucrats and they they're ever expanding. In other words, bureaucracy is not just happy doing what it's doing; it's happy when it grows and it's doing more than it should be doing. And there are so many regulations. I was talking to someone who works for a manufacturing association. And there are literally 300,000 regulations that govern just just manufacturers in the United States. And our competitors don't have that. 
problem. And bureaucracies were really invented in the 1880s. They were kind of codified into law into the, in the 1930s. They worked marginally well in the agrarian age and the industrial age. They're completely inappropriate for the information age. And they need to be reformed. But to reform them is, is incredibly painful. And maybe Trump has the fortitude to reform them. I don't know. That's what we'll see. But if he doesn't, then the city will win. And it'll go back to being doing business as it always does. How serious, Rick, do you think he is about this tariff scam? How much of it is using a bully pulpit uh, to uh, try and leverage companies to keep their jobs here and to do business here with the American people? Oh, that's the big, that's the $100,000 question. Right? That's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, when you, when you make a threat and you don't come through on it, then people know where you stand, and that's why... That's, that, that is the reason why, um, and a lot has been talked about it, but the reason why we put such emphasis on what the president says is because all of our allies and enemies alike, particularly with regard to foreign policy, um, really need to rely on what the United States, what their policy is. That is, we don't need everyone in the world to like us. People are not going to like us. But at a minimum, we need to be predictable. And I mean in this sense that... You know, when Barack Obama said he drew a line in the sand in Syria, and if uh, Bashar al-Assad would use chemical weapons, that there would be uh, there would be a response to that, and there wasn't. That's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, the United States has to mean what it says and 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 say what it means. And when it doesn't, the world can become very confused uh, and, frankly, a very dark and bloody place very quickly because America has has shown leadership throughout the world. And I worry about a lot of things like, you know, historically NATO, you know, yes, there are a lot of NATO countries that don't pay their fair share. There are about nine that do. The Baltics are attempting to do it. But our unfair share burden does not come without a benefit. We have, we rebuilt our allies and enemies alike after World War II to give those countries uh, stability. And And the stable countries have led to peace, and that has kept America uh, out of war, and if we disregard NATO and our allies, and we allow the world to sort of evolve without American leadership, um, it can come very chaotic very quickly. And I think we've seen that over the last eight years, but it can get a lot worse. I've got less than a minute, Rick. Quickly, the Twitter account. Should he dump it, or is it such a powerful tool to change a narrative whenever he wants that it's worth the risk of collateral damage when he uses it? You know what? I think it's an amazing tool, and I'm not really disturbed by the Twitter. I think like like email has a purpose, phone calls have a purpose, Twitter has a purpose. I think if he could just find the right purpose for Twitter, I'd be happy with him using Twitter. It's a great vehicle. It, it allows him to be uh, very clear very quickly to millions of people, and all the press covers it. Rick, great job on MSNBC as a contributor, bringing some sanity over there for conservatives. Yeah, we appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. That's Rick Tyler, former top aide to former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, former communications director for Ted Cruz for president. We'll come back. More of your calls on the other side next. You're listening to Steve Dace. Liberals seem to have a tough time handling so much truth all in one place. Stop! 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 
It's the Steve Day Show. I want to thank Rick Tyler, MSNBC contributor, former spokesperson for Ted Cruz for president, top A to former House Speaker Newt Gingrich for joining us. We're going to go back to your phone calls here in just a moment. 844-883-3223 is the number. That's 844-883-3223. Want to know if you are more pessimistic or optimistic about the dawn of the Trump era, which awaits us in the morning, uh, more optimistic or pessimistic than you were after the election, based on the way you've seen his transition team and himself behave and perform. Coming up later in this hour, if you're new to us, uh, watching us tonight on C-SPAN, you're going to get to play a little game with us that we play each week on the program called Buy, Sell, or Hold. We'll do that a little later on this hour. I want to mix in quickly, before we go back to the calls, though, I want to mix in some comments on social media on Facebook. You can like us there on Facebook, and... uh, Uh, People responding to whether they're more optimistic or pessimistic. Kim Pereira writes, she is sadly pessimistic, paid too much attention during the whole process to believe Trump will be any different except for maybe the Twitter madness. Brandon Cowan says, while I'm excited to see the end of the Obama era, I'm unsure of what to expect from Trump besides more big government bureaucracy and continuing to pay way too much in taxes. Cindy McGee says, very pessimistic. I did my homework before the election on who Trump is, what he is, and barring a miracle, he is not what America needs. John Shetterly says he's extremely optimistic. He may be a fake Republican, but I believe he's going to do more to implement a conservative agenda in smaller government than many of the actual Republicans we've had in there have done. David Leach says, borderline depressed. Not because of Trump specifically, but because of the damage to conservatism over the next four years. And this might be my favorite take. There's a, there's several of these. I can't I don't have time to get to them all. Troy Vicker says, I'm concerned because being president of the United States takes a toll on a person. Just look at George W. Bush or Barack Obama at the end of their terms compared to the beginning. Is Trump's hair even capable of turning gray? That's good. Let's go back to the phones. 888. 888- 844 Let's go to Kevin calling from Pennsylvania tonight. Kevin, are you more or less optimistic or pessimistic about President Trump than you were after the election? I'm more optimistic. I think he'll do a fine job. Why? Um, well, I just, I just, well, the people wanted to change, and they got the change, and I give them a chance. I think they ought to give Donald Trump a chance Um and his, his cabinet picks sound good. When you when you hear people when when people hear you say we wanted to change, let's fat, let's rewind eight years ago at this time. And when guys like you and I were like, what do people see in this Barack Obama guy? This that's, just seemed, yeah, that's, that's what they I'm were like. saying at the time, right? That's what they were saying to us. We needed a change, isn't that yeah, what they we were saying it. to us? Yeah, and that. But you know, the thing is, I, I don't understand a few things. Now that he was elected. The Democrats can't accept the fact that it's over, they lost, and they didn't get the shoe in that they expected. Number one. Number two, I can't understand why these people protested the day after, he's not our president, he's not my... Yeah, he is the president. I think the reason why you don't understand it, Kevin, that is a great question. I want to try to answer it best I can. Thanks for the call. I think maybe, Kevin, the reason that you don't understand it is because... You're looking at it through the lens of your own worldview, and your own worldview is going to be very result-oriented, solution-oriented, and you're going to say, what's the point of this? We're not changing the election. Nobody expects that to happen. 
But you have to see your opposition through the lens of their worldview, not yours. One of the things we say on this show is we believe in three-dimensional thinking. First dimension, know why you believe what you believe. Can you defend your own beliefs? Number two, know why other people believe what they believe. Where are they coming from? And then number three is know why other people believe what they believe about what you believe. So let's look at that second dimension. Know why other people believe what they believe. See, if you're somebody like Kevin in Pennsylvania and you just love America, you're like, we had the election. Why can't you move on? Don't you want this to work? And if it doesn't work, you get to vote them out in four years. But see, you're looking at it through that traditional American lens. The people in the streets reject that. In fact, they believe that traditional American lens is a failure. They believe it's left too many people behind. They believe it's created inequality, iniquity, uh, oppression, that's discrimination. That's what they believe. They don't believe in the same America that people like you, Kevin, in Pennsylvania do, and many of you listening tonight. And so even though they likely understand, and some of them may not, but most of them I'm sure understand, this isn't going to change the result. The point is they're getting the jump now on trying to delegitimize and undermine him. Because they don't believe it's going to work. And they don't want it to. Because if Trump is able to hearken people back to any notions of traditional Americana, a lot of their argument that American exceptionalism failed is blown out of the water. So they need to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. I need to create conditions where it's almost impossible for him to be successful so that I can say later on, see, we warned you this wasn't going to work. And that's why we need this new progressive way. That's why we need this existential upheaval. Now, there are plenty of people that voted against Trump who are not in the streets. Like a gal that emailed me and said, I'm a first generation immigrant. Uh, You know, I'm a nurse. Um, so right away when I look at what he said about immigrants, what he said about healthcare, I'm skeptical. I'm worried for the future. They're in their safe space, Steve. Okay. But now she just disagrees. She just disagrees. But she says, Hey, I love America. I, I tweeted back to her. You know what? Give him a chance. And if it doesn't work, work to vote him out. That's the way it works. So I think we need to make sure that we draw a distinction between people who just disagree And then people who have a completely different vision and worldview. There's a lot of people who love America that might just think government should be more involved than guys like you, me, and Todd, Aaron, think it should. And that's okay. We can disagree. That's why we have elections. But the people in the streets, gentlemen, that's not what they're arguing. They don't believe in the concept of America as it's been known at all. And they want to use this as a platform, Aaron, to communicate that. And you know what I'm talking about, because a lot of them are in your generation. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's why that's the real division in this country. We, we talk so much about uh, the, the race division, and there is division there, and it, it's bigger now. There's no doubt about that than it uh, has been ever in my you know 20-plus year uh, lifetime. But that's the real. That's the that's the division that's uh, that, that you cannot share uh, another common living area, another country with. You can't share uh, with people mm-hmm. who who uh, think like that because they're not living in the same country. It's just, it's completely impossible. And how do you get over? Uh, how do you try to make them see your view? That's, I mean, that's the, that's the million dollar question. And a lot of them, I don't think 
um, are, are willing to have those debates because, as you mentioned, they try to create these environments where it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So they don't want to have a debate about this stuff. I, I also think some of this division, and I wrote about this for Conservative Review today, I think some of this division in the country is overblown. Because a lot of it comes from places where the media lives Mm -hmm. and where pop culture is produced. So, obviously, Chicago, Illinois is a lot more liberal than Springfield or more rural parts of the state. And yet they seem to find a way to live together all the time. So what we don't know is what percentage of the left those people in the streets truly represent. We don't know that. We're probably about to find out. More in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. There's left, there's right, and then there's right. You've come to the right place. It's the Steve Day Show. Hey, if you like our show, don't forget. Coming in February, we are moving it to CRTV to be a part of the star-studded lineup with Mark Levin, Stephen Crowder, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. If you use a promo code with my name, Dace, D-E-A-C-E at CRTV.com, you can get a discounted subscription, just 30 cents a day for the first year. So go to CRTV.com. If you like watching us on C-SPAN, you'll be able to watch us each and every day as we do the show. Again, CRTV.com. Use the promo code Dace to get that subscription discount. Have you seen any What's, what's that? Have you seen any face for radio comments yet? Do we need to rethink a this whole TV thing? A lot about you. I, I just have. I, I know you're sensitive, so I, <laughs> I have saved. I've sheltered you from them. But yes, those are coming in fast and furious about you, Erson. <laughs> Only you. I, I yeah. like the uncomfortable. I stepped right into. You that did. One. You listen. You put your head on a platter, handed me a bat, and said, "Swing away." And I dutifully did because the dude code demands when another guy throws himself out there like that, you must crush whatever pride he has left. You Agreed? must bloody the nose. It's done. All right. Eight four four eight eight three three two two three. Eight four four eight eight three three two two three. Let's go to Tanner in Nevada. So Tanner, are you more or less pessimistic or optimistic about President Trump based on what you've seen during the transition than you were after the election? I think I'm about the same. I think with him, if you voted for him or not for him, but at least not for Hillary Clinton, I think it is what it is. How can you not expect anything less or more? Interesting. So none of his moves have either disappointed you or surprised you, or has the mercurial nature of his cabinet, because it is a glass menagerie motley crew of ideologies in that cabinet which are sort of a reflection of trump's persona himself so are you sort of looking at this tanner as you know is kind of sober about who trump really is anyway so none of this surprises me uh you described that very well more articulate than i could uh that's why i get the mediocre bucks tanner that's right <laughs> uh, funny uh i i think um, I, I, you know, it's not new that he goes to Twitter in a, in a, in a rant. It's not new that he is uh, um, somewhat childish in his uh, reactions to criticism. But that being said, I like to think that he's going to surround himself with not completely yes men or yes women for that, yes people. Uh, I, and, and I hope he, he calms it with his rants on Twitter, but 
you know, I, I think it's good to get a, a fresh start in Washington. I, you know, the idea of drain the swamp, that can't happen, to be honest. Uh, well, I should, in my opinion. Um, I honestly feel that, uh, he's, yeah, sure, he's a populist. Anybody who, who gets elected at this level is a populist. He's a little bit more, bit more right to center. But I know where I'm, I, I'm, I'm on vacation in state line, just watching your show before I go out to dinner. I'm originally from uh, south-central Wisconsin, mm-hmm. where people voted for him. I think they're feeling that their personal economy still really stinks, mm-hmm. and they're not seeing it get better. And I think that they voted for him because what's really draining their own personal financial swamps. They're, I got friends and family, patrons of my business who are really hurt because health insurance has got so unbelievably expensive. And that's that's the biggest thing. Where, where I live, housing isn't out of control. It's really the cost of health care. You know what you just talked about, Tanner? That's a great call. Thank you very much. We're going to have, in hour three tonight, uh, I talked with uh, Frank Luntz from Fox News before the show this evening. He couldn't join us live because he's at the uh, Texas Inaugural Ball. And one of the things you're going to hear Frank say later on in the show is almost exactly uh, derivative of what we just heard from Tanner, which is the number one reason that Trump got so many people that voted for Obama four years ago and eight years ago to vote for him this time is because he went out there and talked to people like the folks in southeastern Wisconsin that Tanner was just talking about in his hometown. He talked to them about jobs, and the Democrats talked to them about how do we get men in the women's restrooms and women in the men's restrooms. And those were the issues that were a priority to them. And right now, folks are like, I can't afford health care. Like, 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 we're not going to the doctor because even though my and, and, to save money while my premiums cost more than they did before, you're not addressing my concerns. You're addressing your concerns and you want to make your concerns mine. And that is one of the things that 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 for, for somebody who supported another candidate during the GOP primary, that I got a good vantage point of watching Trump from the other side of the looking glass. And the one thing that he does well, it's 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 really an enigma. For a guy that is a narcissist, and I've said this to Trump's face, he is the most likable narcissist you'll ever meet. For a guy that's a narcissist with a tinge of megalomania, he does have a way of making you think you're a part of what he is and who what he does. And then maybe he even does it for you. And I think that's where, how did this billionaire with a gold-plated toilet on his plane tie into so much of rural America? It's because of that. More in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. When you're upsetting everyone, you know you're doing it right. You are human tennis elbow. You are a pizza burn on the roof of the world's mouth. It's Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. We're going to let you all here on C-SPAN join us as we play a little game we do each week here on the show. This is called Buy, Sell, or Hold. And our producer, Aaron, will throw out a series of provocative statements, of course, because tonight it's our pre-inaugural edition here as we live simulcast on C-SPAN. These will all be about this or past presidential inaugurations. Uh, he'll throw a provocative statement out. Both Todd and I will decide whether to buy, sell, or hold, and why. We are only allowed to hold one time, though. We can't punk out. 
only allowed one hold. The rest of the time, you have to take a stance. Aaron, fire away. The inaugural address tomorrow, you know, a lot of times with big speeches, uh, it'll get leaked ahead of time. This one, I have not seen any uh, trace of that. And supposedly, this was written by Donald Trump himself. Donald Is the Trump. buy seller hold? Do you believe he wrote his own inaugural address? No. Because I'm going to sell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Donald Trump, in that inaugural address, will mention God, defending the Constitution, and religious liberty. I believe Trump will mention those things every bit as much, Todd, as he mentioned them in his convention acceptance speech, which is to say he did not mention them at all. So I am going to sell, and Aaron, I hope the statements are harder than this one, because this is pretty much low-lying fruit. And the, the question was all three, correct? All three. Yeah, yeah, sell, and don't look back. The inaug- you, you lost me at Trump mentioning Constitution. Yeah. The inauguration ceremony will be interrupted at least three times on television by protesters. Now, I think we need to clarify this question. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to punk out, okay? But... When you say the inauguration, are you meaning the ceremony or the media? The inauguration ceremony. The media will be distracted by protesters. Uh, Yeah, I said inauguration ceremony will be interrupted on TV at least three times. Okay, because I I think the media is going to be distracted by protesters, even if there's like four, 16 times. Okay, but the, the ceremony itself, I don't think will be distracted at all. Even though Trump is not getting the missiles and the missile launchers and the tanks that he asked for, I still don't believe it will be disrupted at all. So I'm going to say sell on that too, Todd. I'm buying. Like I said before, at this deplorable thing, 200 participants, yet 80 members of the press are there. And the press is supposed to be the ones that's showing a modicum of professionalism, and they can't help themselves. It's absolutely going to happen. But you and I are saying the same thing. I I agree the media is going to be distracted as all get out. They're going to look for distractions. And if there's not, some in the media will protest themselves just to create a distraction. Do I think the ceremony itself will will be disrupted? No, I don't. Sitting member, this is related to the last one, sitting members of Congress will make some sort of scene during the inauguration ceremony. That's a tough one. Now, now we're playing ball. That's more like it. I'm going to say sell. I, even though this is a moment where my Catholic friend over here will say, where is your total depravity, John Calvin? But I, I am, I'm going to say sell. I'm going to say outside of in a foreign environment where they don't control the narrative like they get to on a Sunday show it's a little tougher to do that in that moment than it is in a in a media setting i'm going to sell too because they don't have the guts they have no idea how it's going to boomerang back on them whether from trump himself or the gang mm-hmm. of bikers surrounding them they don't have the guts all right i uh, mean listen these are the people that that last year threatened to shut down the government over the budget with a catered lunch. They did a sit-in inside Congress. Remember this? Yeah, it was no, nice those, to see that no, shutting no, no, down no. the they government was cool again, though. They did a sit-in inside Congress in order to catered lunch, guys. It even had sporks. No, those those are exactly the people I'm thinking about that are going to do this. And the media will just love that. They'll have a they'll probably have a special on the next day about the brave men and women who walked Profiles out of... Profiles and courage. Yes, exactly. Uh, Donald Trump... Will set a record for number total number of executive orders issued by a U.S. president within his first two years. Oh, I thought your question was going to be on the first day. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> that one would have been an easy buy, though. Um, yes, I, I'm going to say uh, that. To me, I think that's an easy buy. Don't you think, Todd? No, I don't think no. it's an easy buy. 
A record number? Yeah. What? Who has the record? It, perhaps that should be obvious to me, but it's not. I think actually when you, I, I, I think I saw the stat that when you include proclamations, mm-hmm. George W. Bush actually had more executive orders than Barack Obama did in eight years. Probably the potency, though, of the per, per capita of those orders under under W, yeah. not quite what they were under Barack. It's not that I don't think he's emotionally capable of it. or I just don't know if he's focused. That's what I really want to see How in the next five days, how focused he is. Does he really go to work right away? Or are we just, you know, spinning? Right that he's taking uh, a vacation yeah. right away, isn't uh, he? Yeah, according to, uh, to uh, the University of California, FDR, actually, by far. Um, so well, he was also president for tw- almost 20 years. years. Yeah. So I think I'm narrowly going to sell. Okay. Uh, next statement. You will be more assured about the future of the country after tomorrow. Even if it's just minute, just a little bit. If I thought the answer to your first statement wasn't sell... My answer to this would be buy. But since my answer to your first statement that I don't think he's going to mention those things that I'm trying to conserve, that's why I'm a conservative, uh, I'm going to sell this too. Uh, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, so I have this weird worldview that has this tension where I believe stuff happens in the future, but it doesn't happen quite now. And it happens quite now and it doesn't happen in the future, right? That's the, the tension of a Christian worldview. So uh, long term, I, I worry about the future of our country. When I when I see when I see what we are where we are going morally and where we are going fiscally, and I think those two things are hand in hand. When I when I when I see that we are we are gouging each other's eyes out about whether to hand our tax dollars when we're twenty trillion dollars in debt to an organization like Planned Parenthood that kills four thousand little kids a day or at least helps kill 4,000 little kids a day. They're not the only uh, child killer, but they're the biggest one. I worry about the long-term future. But short-term, we still have the f- still have the freest, most prosperous country in the world. God has still shown his grace on thee more than any other nation in history, except maybe his own nation, Israel. So, uh, so we, there is a window still available for us in the long, to, to, to win the long-term. If we change our priorities in the short-term talk. I'm going to narrowly buy. I could feel it creeping in today, and it wasn't anything specifically to do with Donald Trump, but it just had to do with the the grand pageantry that is America and getting swept up in that. I'm not immune to it. Quickly, Vladimir Putin will be a surprise guest tomorrow. <laughs> hold. That's my hold. You're listening to Steve Dace. Helping to define the modern-day New Age America. We're all kind of crazy town banana pants. It's Steve Dace. All right, let's take one more call before we close out this second hour of the Steve Dace Show. we got one more hour to go. We'll see if we've scared C-SPAN off or not by then. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E. Let's go to Nathan in Arkansas. Nathan, are you more or less optimistic or pessimistic now on the eve of President Trump than you were after the election? Well, I'm very less pessimistic. Tell us why. Well, he has been mentioning about uh, religious liberty and uh, freedom that we, we have. 
as you know. Are we losing? Uh, we're losing Nathan there. Sounds like he's breaking up. Yes. Yeah, he's breaking up there on the cell connection down there in uh, Arkansas. But he says he is. He said he was less pessimistic. He told me on hold that he was more pessimistic or pessimistic. Um, but again, with his uh, connection there, it's uh, it's hard to tell. I think he was nailing it though. With the that Trump, in his estimation, wasn't going to be concerned with the loss of religious freedom. And how can you be successful if you're ignoring the 400-pound gorilla in the room? I mean, see, that's where the war is. See, I don't think Trump is concerned about a lot of things conservatives are concerned about. But I don't think he is also an enemy of a lot of things conservatives True. care about. This is something that, uh, if you're new to our show watching us on C-SPAN tonight, one of the things we've been talking about since the election here on our program is that, from a conservative standpoint, I think a lot of the potential of, of whether or not Trump delivers anything meaningful for conservatives is actually up to the conservatives, not Trump. Uh, to me, the, the Donald Trump I know a little bit is concerned about results and winning. And so if, if you have the conservative leaders around Trump who have, who have leverage with him, who have his ear, the Mike Pence's, the Heritage's, the Jerry Falwell Jr.'s, uh, those types, um, th- those people who, ble- who, you know, the Jim DeMintz, the people who bent over backwards for Trump, uh, the Jeffrey Lords, uh, people who went to the wall for Trump that are actual conservatives. If those people go to President Trump and say, hey, here's what we need to make the trains run on time. Here's what our department, you know, you got your populist department, you got your nationalist department, right? You got your moderate department. This is what the conservative department of, of, of Trump, President Trump, Inc. This is what the conservative department needs to meet our budget, to meet our nut, for us to be in the black, for us to give you the P&L statement that you want to share with your investors here in the next quarter. We need these things. And I think those, those conservative groups that have Trump's ear. I think they're the ones that have to deliver. I think they're the ones that have got to say, no, we don't want this one. We want that one. No, we don't want that judge. We want this one. No, we don't want that tax cut. We want this one. Or we don't, or we don't want tax cuts at all. We want tax reform or whatever it may be. But I think, I think that's what they want. And I think you have to discuss things with Trump. You have to frame, like, like, you have to frame it in the form of a question to Alex Trebek. You got to frame it in the form of a solution. Which is, if you want us to provide the maximum results you want, we need this. This is what we need. Because I think a lot of what conservatives care about is out of sight, out of mind to Trump. I think the conservatives around Trump have got to put it in sight and in his mind in order to get something from him. That's up to them. You're listening to Steve Dace. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we are back with hour three, one hour to go. You've made it through this far, C-SPAN. You might as well see it through to the bitter end. And I can promise you, I'm here every night. The end, it will be bitter. 
Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up later in this hour, I had a chance to talk to Frank Luntz of Fox News and CBS News to gauge uh, his perspective on the mood of the country as somebody that talks to as many Americans as anybody I know. And uh, we're going to let you hear that uh, conversation we recorded earlier today before he headed out to the uh, Texas inaugural ball. That's coming up here in about uh, 20 minutes. But first, it's time for a little game we call Three Questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. So, if you're new to our show, and I know a lot of you are tonight, this is something we do each and every evening at this time. It's called Three Questions. And our producer, Aaron, gets to confirm for you that your mama was correct, that it ain't no fun when the rabbit's got the gun. He gets to ask us any three questions. He's in charge. Put the kid in charge. He's got his learner's permit now. I know a lot of you are emailing me and say, wow, that dude looks like he's 12. Well, he do- he's older. He does have his learner's permit. In fact, I let him drive me to work tonight, in fact. And he did, other than that whole parallel parking thing, Aaron, muy bien. You did a great job. You're getting better. You're learning. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Wait. Um, no. Uh... <laughs> So Aaron gets to ask us any three questions about anything he wants. We're past the safe harbor hours, so nothing is too tawdry or intimate, but we do have a check and balance. And unlike Washington, D.C., where C-SPAN flew out here from, we actually enforce our checks and balances here. He has to answer the same questions that he asks us. Thank you, Steve. Barring divine intervention, what do you think is the best and worst things you could hear come out of Trump's mouth at tomorrow's inaugural address, like you actually think he would say? Best and worst. Here's President Pence. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Again, you throw it out there. I have to whack at it. Um, Everybody, here's a hand it, for Ashton Kutcher. Yes. It, nice. An acknowledgement that he is aware of the solemn responsibility he is about to assume. That he is aware of the historical gravity of the situation. That, that he is aware that um, history has handed him uh, an, an, an awesome opportunity. And that if he blows it, it won't just be one of my bankruptcies or one of my, one of my investments go bad and I, I, I eject out of Atlantic City. But the lives of millions of people, not just here, but around the world, hang in the balance. An acknowledgement of that and some tinge of humility, Todd. That's what I'd like to hear. Completely agree. And this is akin to what I wish he would have said concerning uh, Sweet Cakes uh, by Melissa uh, out in Oregon. Something like, listen, I know I've made a lot of uh, mistakes in my life. I've had plenty of successes, but I have made mistakes. But I fundamentally am a businessman. And I'm tired of watching my fellow Americans' businesses shut down because of ridiculous levels of regulation. I'm tired of seeing them shut down because of what that business person happens to think about a given issue. That is going to stop on my watch. 
think the best thing that he could say is you're absolutely right. Um, show a little bit of humility in some in some respect, because he can he can say things that sound inspiring. But the only way he's actually going to inspire those who are sitting on the fence or a little bit skeptical about his presidency, not those on the other side. You're never going to convince those people. But the only way that he's really going to get people uh, build a coalition between his ardent supporters and those who are still on the fence, the way he can cement that is by at least showing a little bit of humility. The worst thing he can say tomorrow, basically, I'll leave that up to your imagination. I don't want to hear I alone can solve. Yeah. I, I want... I want a serious reduction. We just we just got rid of a president who mastered the art of the first person pronoun. I, I want to hear more we, mm-hmm. less me. I want to hear more you, less I. Well, and I definitely don't want to hear another, a reset of what he did at in his convention speech where he started talking about, uh, you know, we're not... I, I, forgive me, I don't remember the exact st- word, Steve, but we're not going to be hating as much as we used to in the Republican yeah, Party. Yeah, I don't want to hear... Get rid of all that stuff. Just just lead the country. No more... No, don't pander. Just lead. Question two, is there an inaugural speech from the past that really sticks out in your memory as being special in some way? Or are are, uh, inaugurations just kind of boring? I'm not an inauguration connoisseur. Um, How about Zachary Taylor's? Didn't it kill him? That was William Henry Harrison. Oh, that, that, that was William Henry Harrison that happened to. I know some another generation. Yeah, another one. Uh, that was Tippy Canoe and Tyler too. There right? you go. Yeah, all right. So I know a little history, but I know I knew somebody's inauguration killed him. That's pretty memorable. Let's go with that, Todd. That stands out. I I can't do better than that, and I I I would like to answer answer yes, but I don't know if it's because I can't remember or because they've all been terrible, but I can't remember. It, what's What's interesting about in my case, I'm I'm more fascinated by their convention speeches. His, like I, when C-SPAN, not to pander to you guys, but when they run the old convention speeches, if I'm if if there's not a live sporting event on, I want to I watch that stuff. I like watching that, and I love watching the old debates when C-SPAN runs those inaugural addresses. I'm just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> there's well, a we, lot of conservatives out there who don't like any of this pageantry. They they think it's monarchist nonsense. Yeah. Because let's go ahead and just show people we hate fun every bit as much as they think we do. That's brilliant branding. Yes. Yeah, there's no there's no uh, address in my mind. At the, I mean, I haven't sat through very many of them. I'm, I'm still fairly young. There's not many that just stick out in my mind because between there is so much time between the actual election and the inaugural address or the inauguration. We already know who who it is and what they're going to do, or, or maybe, or have a pretty good idea. There's just not left. There's not much um, left that you're you know really sitting on the edge of your seat wanting to hear from these people. We just got through a year where we heard these people uh, give speeches literally every day of the year. So I think by this point, a lot of people are just, I think they're just checked out. Question three. Stick with me on this one. That's a bad sign. If you were a crazy person who liked to protest and crash public events, and you crashed the stage during the inaugural address tomorrow and were only able to get out five words before the Secret Service took you out, what would those five words be? Five words the entire world would hear. Todd, you're first. One of them would have to be cock. There has not been enough cucking on this show the last couple of months. C-SPAN, we're bringing you into a whole new world here. We are making... we've checked. We can say this. We are making cuck great again. Thank you for that. Because, listen, if you look at Trump's cabinet, we are making globalist cucks great again. There's like a half dozen of them now, right? 
Six of go. them. I got it. Okay. I cuck, therefore I am. <laughs> yes. Mic drop. Tom Boom. wins. All right. I'm good to go off board here with mine. I came up with one. Okay. All right. Make sure it's enough words. You said five words or less? Five words, yeah. Mene, mene, takel, a parson. That's four words. That's what I would go with. Mene. Just add y'all mene, at the end, okay? Yeah. Takel, a parson. Dude. Dude. <laughs> yes. Dude. Yes, that's good. I like that. I would probably say, what yeah. What prompted this question, by the way? Um, I was trying to do everything inaugural uh, related, and I mean, I got to do something crazy on question three, so why not ask you to put yourself in the so shoes of a crazy person? So if you were planning on making a complete butt clown out of yourself in front of millions of people, yes. oh, I? so that you would become your own meme and an object of scorn and mockery, mm-hmm. and, 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 and... It's and, a reasonable question, Steve. And you're, and you're chil- forcing your children to wish that you had taken a perpetual vow of chastity, and they could have been the product of somebody else's conception. What would you do? Mm-hmm. That's your question? Be thankful when he said, stick with me now. I thought he was going year of the cat. That, well, I could have done that. We could talk about that for the rest of the segment. I'd be fine with that. Uh, I would probably say something like, beware all ye who enter, or something like that. Abandon hope all ye who enter? Yeah. Now that's disappointing. You asked the question and didn't have more than that? Abandon hope all ye who enter. You need to come up yeah. with another question. That cannot be the last question. That's uh, weak. That's weak? That is weak. Put you on the spot. On, it took you a while. We're on you C-SPAN. Didn't, you, didn't even get to, was, you didn't even get to five words. Because you know I have an enormously, it was prodigiously weak. quick weak. wit. And your question was so weak you couldn't even answer that I couldn't even, I couldn't you couldn't even answer fathom it. an that's answer the to first, it. That's the only rule on this show. You've got to answer the question. You came up with four words. That's why I went to Erzin first. Take the car keys back. Take them back. Now, you've got to come up with another question. That, that can't got, be the last We word. got 30. What's your favorite color? <laughs> When was the last time you listened to Year of the Cat? <laughs> this morning. Right before I fired you. <laughs> right before that. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. trying to keep us all together because, well, the liberals do it. See what you call insanity? We call solidarity. This is Steve Dace. Now for something completely different. We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. See, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going and this is the nightly buzz here on the steve day show this is where we go back take a look at some of the headlines we missed from earlier in the program because we are very long-winded here it takes an inordinate amount of time for us to make even the simplest of points and that means we don't get to cover a lot of topics even in the span of three long grueling contrived laborious hours so this is the nightly buzz where our producer aaron takes a look at what's trending at your water cooler at work uh over on your social media if you were wondering you know you felt this presence 
you felt the the hot breath of somebody that, that seemed like they were lingering as you were violating your 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 not safe for work protocols on hanging out on Facebook all day and is looking that, at your news feed. Is that new cologne? Yes, and you turned around thinking, is that English leather or Stetson again? And you turned around, but there was nobody there. That was Aaron, that lurking guy at your water cooler. You know, you're talking to that friend of yours, and there's that guy that hangs out. He's just far off enough that he can hear what's going on, but he's pretending like he can't. But you know he's listening, but you don't want to, you know, be a total canoe by saying something to him. Leave the canoe up to Aaron. That is what he does. He's got those headlines. We respond with the hot takes. Well said. Uh, Story one. Donald Trump's preferred pick for RNC chair has been confirmed in the position. Ronna Romney McDaniel is the uh, Trump-supporting niece of never-Trumper Mitt Romney and head of the Michigan GOP. She was instrumental in helping Trump carry the normally Democratic-leaning state heavy with union jobs. I don't know what to think about her being head of the RNC. I mean, there's been a lot of people in the Michigan GOP. I mean, there was an outright civil war in that Republican Party after the 2012 uh, cycle up there. So uh, if, if she ascended to the role of, of party head given, in that state, given the environment there, she has to have some grassroots uh, cachet. Um, so... I would advise whether you're more moderate or corporatist or establishment or conservative. I would advise people to not immediately Todd um, brand her because of her last name, because it's it's been a very unsettling environment within the Michigan Republican Party the last few years. I want to brand her because of her last name, but I might brand her because of what you wrote in a column a while back. You'll if you'll recall. Oh yes, Wendy Day, the yes. conservative activist that got banished. From the state uh, central committee because she refused to support Trump, right? Yeah, she was she was forced out because she did not toe the party line. Now, Wendy Day did send me an email after we wrote that story and said, well, uh, Miss Romney McDaniel, she did banish me, but she felt bad about it. So she wanted us to note that. Swell. Next story, more than one in four federal workers or 28 percent will definitely or possibly consider leaving their jobs after January 20th when Trump is sworn into office and becomes leader of the executive branch. That's according to the survey conducted by the Government Business Council and the Government Executive, which both track trends in the field. Yes, please. This is the point where you're trying to convince me to vote for Trump. MAGA. MAGA. That hashtag MAGA. In fact... Buy me one of those um, Keep America Great hats for 2020 if this actually goes down. Yes. Are they the fitted kinds? Are they nice? I don't know. I hope it's not fitted. My head's getting bigger as I get older, and that, but that's not important now. The Girl Scouts of the USA have sometimes come under fire from conservatives for perceived political biases, though the kids' organization is now facing pushback from those frustrated by the group's planned participation in Friday's inauguration of President-elect Donald Trump. The group is under fire after reports emerged last week that it'll take part in the inaugural parade with some prominent people pointing to past comments Trump has made about women. This is where... So, when... When the Girl Scouts cozies up with Planned Parenthood, that's okay. This is, again, where you have to be honest about your labeling. Don't tell me your concern is the Girl Scouts getting uh, becoming politicized. The reality is your concern is that it's not your team or your agenda. And let's just be honest about that. I, I, and, and, and that's okay. You know. I know people that, you know, are upset about the Girl Scouts and being cozy with Planned Parenthood, so they don't buy Girl Scout cookies anymore. 
They don't put their girls in Girl Scouts anymore. They find alternatives to that. It's America. That's okay. I, I don't think people get upset that you decide not to patronize certain organizations or support them because you don't agree with, with the politi- how they're engaging politically. That's what a free country provides, that, those opportunities. What makes people upset is when you couch it as yours is the only viewpoint. Or, 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 or your, to disagree with your viewpoint means that you're a racist or a bigot. Um, or a homophobe or uh, a xenophobe that there cannot there, there is no way someone could disagree with me without being a single celled unevolved unenlightened troglodyte subterranean cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller that's the stuff that ticks people off just say you don't agree with their coziness with Trump or them taking part in his inauguration so we're out okay cool it's America and that's how you get to use your influence as an American. But don't make it look like yours is the only viewpoint. When, pl- when Girl Scouts have been cozying up with liberal constituencies for the longest time, Todd. Well, th- this is cultish thinking. You know you have the Girl Scouts already in the fold at the national level. At, lo- at the local level, yes, you can still have a troop and, and do your best to do your own thing. But you know you've got them. But you won't even allow them to blink. I don't think they want to be a part of this because it's Trump. It's because it's the president. It's because it's D.C. It's the inauguration. You want to be a part of the pomp and circumstance, but you're not allowed to blink if you're in the cult. Football Hall of Famer Jim Brown voted for Hillary Clinton, but said he'll support Donald Trump and that even though he respects John Lewis, quote, he sounds very bitter and sad. That comment didn't sit well with the Sporting News writer David Steele, who said that while former Cleveland running or Browns running back has been a candidate for the Mount Rushmore of social, political and civil rights activism, that that version of Brown is now dead. Now, if you were watching us earlier on C-SPAN, you're going to hear us say something that uh, our regular listeners who weren't here when you guys were uh, had the cameras on us during the commercial breaks, they didn't get a chance to hear. What we talked about earlier during one of the breaks here on C-SPAN, this is exactly how you go after Trump. Jim Brown has it right. I'm a Democrat. I voted for Hillary. I show up on Fox News, say these things, put the hot potato in his lap. You want to you you go after Trump, put the pressure and the onus on Trump. Don't try to undermine him. Just say, hey, you said I alone can solve. We hope you can solve it because we have 95 million Americans out of work right now. That's incredible, that number. We have more people on food stamps than the total population of Spain. That's incredible, that number. We have $20 trillion in debt. That's incredible, that number. So he said I alone can solve. I didn't vote for you, Mr. President, but you are my president, and I hope you can solve those problems. And then get out of the way and see if Mr. Trump can solve them or not. Because here's the truth to our liberal friends. If Trump can solve these problems, it won't matter who he's offended. It won't matter how outrageous, how boorish, how profane, how crass he is. He's getting reelected. Bottom line. If he makes the trains run on time, he's getting reelected. If he doesn't make the trains run on time, it doesn't matter if he cleans up his act. It doesn't matter if he knows the King James by heart. Dude's not getting reelected. So it's, since it's the pressure's all on him, let it be on him. But when you put it on yourselves, when you protest him, when you act out in a way that offends many Americans, you take the pressure off of him and put it on you. You're listening to Steve Dace.
for critical thinkers only. The Steve Day Show. And we're back here on the Steve Day Show. It's our special pre-inaugural edition. Again, want to welcome all of you who are watching tonight's live simulcast on C-SPAN. Don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Well, one of the reasons that uh, C-SPAN uh, came all the way from Washington, D.C. to little old Des Moines, Iowa, to simulcast this program tonight is, is to gauge the mood of the country and to get outside the Beltway and see what indeed is the mood of, of the rest of, the, of, of this uh, great country of ours out there. And, and I don't know anybody that spends more time gauging that mood than our next guest here tonight. Frank Luntz from Fox News, from CBS News, joins us. And it's a pleasure, Frank, to have you on the show tonight. Thanks for being a part of our program. Well, it's a testament to you that that C-SPAN would use you and your listeners and your show as a way to illustrate what's happening in the country. And it really started with you, and it started with Iowa. Donald Trump surprised everyone. He may not have won the state, but he proved that he was for real. And and Iowa has has decided and destroyed more candidates than any other state in the country. I think it's because of what you have to do to win here that you you can't just run a media campaign. You you can't just come in here and and drop a lot of coin and buy the airwaves. That that it does require a level of old school retail politics, Frank. That just isn't really required elsewhere in our process. And and we find out really quick who is able to sincerely connect with people on both sides and who is not because of the way we force you to campaign here in Iowa. Well, I know that people who are going to be watching and listening are, are evenly divided between those who love the president and those who don't. And that is, unfortunately, uh, systematic of what's happening in the country today. But you have to give Trump credit that he connected with people in a very personal and very emotional way. And he exceeded everyone's expectations because he said what he meant and meant what he said. It was blunt. Uh, it was to some upsetting, but they voted for him in the end to take on and shake up Washington and, and voting against the status quo, uh, demanding a government that listens, learns, and leads, and not a government of the elite uh, and of the Washington bureaucracy. In your view, what is the mood of the country right now, Frank? I mean, polls show that Trump has largely the same roughly 40% approval rating that he had on Election Day. Uh, that It's, it's a little well, bit higher. You think it's a little bit higher it's, than that? It's you, a little bit higher if, as people are giving him a chance. Uh, it's not as high as previous president. It's higher than what he had during the campaign. But in the end, people are taking a wait and see. The right direction numbers went up from Election Day about 10 points. And so now you've got about 40% of the country who believe it's headed in the right direction. Uh, and those are Trump voters who think that he's going to bring about the change that he promised. You have most people believing, a clear majority, that they're going to have a good year financially in 2017. Mm-hmm. We've seen the, the stock market go up. We've seen consumer confidence go up. We've even seen consumer buying up. Uh, in the in the Christmas and now in the January period. So this sense of malaise that we were paralyzed, that's gone. 
But make no mistake, we are as divided as we have ever been. I ask a simple question, and you can answer it or not. I don't want to put you on the spot. But I ask people of power a question. How many voters from the other side, of the 20 people you're closest to, how many of them uh, are voted for the candidate that you disagree with? So let's say you voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. How many Clinton voters do you know? If you voted for Clinton, how many Trump voters? And what I get consistently is that people's friends and family and, and colleagues all are of like mind, and we don't hear, we don't to, we don't understand those on the other side. Republicans do not understand Democrats. Democrats do not understand or respect Republicans. And that's a real problem. We should be getting our news and our, our friendships, our relationships from sources that inform us, not just affirm us. And that's not happening anymore. Frank Luntz is our guest here tonight in our special pre-inaugural edition of the Steve Day Show. We had to catch Frank before he headed into the Texas inaugural ball tonight. But if we're going to do a show gauging uh, where America stands on the eve of the dawn of a new era, I don't know anybody that talks to more of Americans in that capacity than Frank does. And that's why he's our guest here tonight during Hour 3 of the Steve Day Show. More in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. This show is dedicated to bacon every day. The Steve Dace Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. It's our special pre-inaugural edition here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. And a welcome to all of you watching us tonight on C-SPAN as well. Before we went on the air tonight, we caught up with Frank Luntz from Fox News, CBS News, before he headed into the Texas inaugural ball. That's why he couldn't join us live. But if we're going to do a show gauging where America stands, who talks to more Americans than he does? I think, Frank, we are as entrenched in those identities as at any time I've been doing this in... Ten and a half years. I, I mean, it just we are in sort of this, pardon the expression, this this Hannity and Combs back in the day duopoly where no matter what the Democrat did, I mean, they could go out there and, and sacrifice to goat gods and someone on and most of their media is going to defend it. Uh, on the other hand, somebody on our side could go out there and be found with, uh, uh, you know, pentagrams under their bed. And this would be called a new religious tolerance for most of the advocates on our side. And I I think a lot of people don't really want truth. I think a lot of people just want what does affirm their inclinations. This is one of the reasons why when I get invited on PBS, I go. When I get invited on MSNBC, I go. Because it's one of the only opportunities somebody in my line of work actually gets to engage the other side directly. Well, the thing is, and I don't mean to challenge you, but in essence I do, it's not their side or our side. It's not the Republican side or the Democratic side. We're all Americans. And we seem to have forgotten that. We cherish the freedoms, and we and most of us take it seriously. And there are men that we will be celebrating tomorrow, the men and women in uniform at the Armed Services Ball. Uh, and I look forward to attending because it gives me a chance to say thank you to them 
for all that they've done, because you and I would not exist if it wasn't for them. Mm -hmm. And they don't see it as their side and your side and our side. They see it as us. And I really hope that we can, in the coming months and years, remember that when that flag goes up, we are all saluting. When the Star Spangled Banner is played, we're all singing. Some of us should sing a little more quietly. Uh, but we're all in this together, and we will either succeed together or we will fail together. Frank, how do we get there? Because I agree with you, the country's deeply divided. What we don't really know, though, is how, mu- how, is how much of that di- divide is lack of communication, how much of it is an issue-based divide, how much of it is an existential-based divide. I mean, when, when we have a movement in our country that says, if you don't want to let men into the bathroom stall next to your daughters uh, because you have security concerns, you are some kind of heinous bigot. Where is the common ground with that sort of an existential well, divide? Where is that found? Well, the first an awesome question, and I can answer most of it, but not all of it, because I'm learning, and, I, and I'm not totally sure. First answer is that that's the reason why Hillary Clinton lost in the first place, it's that the Democrats spent all this time trying to fight to get men into women's bathrooms and women into men's bathrooms rather than fight to get men and women jobs. Hmm. They actually spent too much time on the wrong issues. In terms of the divide, there's a cultural divide between Hollywood and the rest of us. There is a political, and, and it's not necessarily real, but boy, do they, it, it is real, but it is not universal. There's still some amazing entertainment. Uh, there are amazing TV shows and movies uh, and music, but some of it is meant to provoke. There's, and that's the cultural divide. There's a political divide, which is obvious. There's an economic divide, and I'm going to surprise you. As someone who considers myself right of center, there is an income divide in this country. And it's not that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor. It's the feeling that the poor can never become middle class and the middle class can never become rich. And that's because of all the rules and regulations, red tape, the taxation and litigation and uh, uh, regulation that prevents people from starting a business and watching it grow. So there's an economic divide as well. What is missing this time is 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 the personality of someone who can actually bridge that divide. Barack Obama had a chance to do it in 2009, and he blew it, and he blew it deliberately. Uh, I don't see Trump as a person to unify the country, although he does speak to the economic class that Republicans had ignored in the past. Mm-hmm. He does speak to hardworking taxpayers in a way that Republicans hadn't always. Your voice matters, and your vote matters, and we will respect you as we move forward. We need people who take a little bit from column A and a little from column B to move this country forward. How much of that, in your view, Frank, is tone and temperament? How much of that is policy substance? It's significant. It's significant. We've now been basically told that we can yell at each other. And it's perfectly fine. I know this election was very poisonous for young people and that teachers in government and uh, history classes, teachers in English classes, are telling me that the kids are more unruly this year than they have ever been. And they're using names and insulting each other like you, they do on the presidential trail. For Hillary Clinton to call Donald Trump supporters deplorable isn't itself deplorable. That is the most ugly, disrespectful thing you can say. 
and the language that Donald Trump used against his opponents. Finally, Frank, one of the most profound things I saw in this election was a focus group you did for CBS right before the election itself. And just watching how these people living under the same flag, living in the same area codes, zip codes, under the same laws, allegedly, just on on some level were so unat ease, so unused to having to to deal with people of disparate viewpoints, and how dysfunctional it became. I really thought it was a metaphor for where we are in the country right now. I want to know though, what was it like? When that was over, was there any common ground found within that group at all? Well, I got to tell you, it was the toughest group I ever moderated because it was one of the most important, obviously, 60 Minutes as a huge audience. And when you're on 60 Minutes, you have a responsibility to be accurate and you have a responsibility to show the American people what is really happening, how people are truly responding. Look, I lost control of the group. I could not get them to listen to each other. The executive producer several times walked over to me and said, you have to get them to stop interrupting each other because we can't hear it. It just sounds like chaos. And after the third time, if you go back and watch the clip, and I urge listeners and viewers to do so, you'll actually see me walk off the set. This has gone beyond you and I. This has gone beyond the people who are listening to us right now. I think we need to do a lot more apologizing and a lot less yelling, a lot more listening and a lot less speaking. Hmm. One of the reasons why it's often been said, that's why the good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth. Frank Luntz from Fox News and CBS News. Frank, thanks for being with us here tonight. We really appreciate it. Take care. It's an honor and a privilege. You're listening to Steve Dace. Trying to trick the libs with the truth. Hey, I'm not falling for that. It's Steve Dace. I want to say some thank yous as we close out the show tonight. I want to go back to the very open, that montage we played of a bunch of uh, smart people that do what I do for a living, all of us getting it wrong on Trump. I want to thank the Media Research Center for that. Uh, they put that montage together. also want to thank C-SPAN for being with us here tonight as well. I want to thank Daniel Lynn, uh, who has on Twitter leaked... The exclusive inauguration schedule of events tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. It begins with the swearing-in ceremony. Donald Trump takes the oath of office using his Bible, which still has the shrink wrap and price tag from an airport bookstore. At 11.31, time traveler arrives, then is horrified to realize... He is too late. At 1 p.m., we have a welcome celebration. Heartwarming speech given by Trump's closest friend, a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. At 4 p.m., we have a statement from Democrats, which will include 45 minutes of screaming. At 5 p.m., the entertainment will arrive. Scott Bayo tribute ban. Freedom Rock. At 7 p.m., the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark played in reverse, making it a movie about Nazis that rise from the dead to do battle with an academic from a blue state. Looking forward to that. (laughs) And at 10 p.m., the piece de resistance, the coup de grace. Uh, Or is it Gracie? I don't know. I'm from Iowa. Anyway, at 10 p.m., Chris Christie is handed a broom and sent to the National Mall (laughs) as the humiliation of Chris Christie will continue until morale improves. 
So, gentlemen, what did we learn here tonight? Aaron, you begin. I learned uh, tonight that uh, it is uh, imperative that we just take this thing one step at a time. A lot of our listeners... Oh, no. Let's overreact to yes, everything. It's it, America. A lot of our listeners are really optimistic, so I would just caution all of us because... On this uh, show, all of us here believe in uh, total depravity, uh, just total human de- depravity. And so people are going to let you down. People are, are going to disappoint you. Even if you think Donald Trump's going to keep all of his promises, somehow, some way, he's going to disappoint you. Uh, and even if you're pessimistic, don't get too down all the time. It's just going to be day by day. And we've, I, I think we've recognized this, but I think it's something that we're going to need to remind ourselves a lot in the future. I got to say, you have more perspective than any 12-year-old I've ever met, Aaron. I am really impressed. Why, thank you, Steve. And remind me again now why you're not violating child labor laws. Todd, what did you learn tonight? I learned as I watched uh, Donald Trump singing along with uh, Lee Greenwood at the Lincoln Memorial today. That Did that really what? happen? It really happened. Uh, but it, it a little tingle in my heart. I, I am, miss the good stuff. I am not quite as ready as I thought to give up on my uh, country. I am not ready to shake the dust from my feet yet. But the only way that that matters is if... Because Trump doing harmony on the second <laughs> second stanza of God of, of, of the Lee song bar. does it for you. But the only way my not wanting to do that matters is if God is not ready to shake the dust from his feet yet. Because if this is a, this might not be the answer to prayer that many people think it is. Well, C-SPAN will be, uh, they will be swiping the dust from their uh, feet, likely never to return to this studio again. We want to thank them for being a part of our little corner of the universe. All of you that watched or listened, until the next time, John 317. Listening to Steve Dace.